That's right. Welcome back to another episode of Heavy Hole Podcast. We're mixing it all up. I got old friends over. Um, it's crazy already. We've been we've been behind the scenes for like four hours already. We're all drunk. No. Um, my my loyal co-host and producer Tom Saltman. Uh, I'm welcome you welcoming you back to the temple that you created. Oh, thanks for having me, man. I thought I was exiled. No, 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 never that. No, there's a few there's a few people on the exile list, but we're, we might we might share that on Patreon one day, but that, not not for tonight, man. And Nick Didkowski, welcome back to the hallowed halls of the Heavy Hole Podcast, uh, sir. Thanks so much, man. Super stoked to be here. Thanks. Uh, no, the the the, uh, the pleasure is all ours. The stoke the stoke is all ours. We're we're very stoked <laughs> to have you here, man. Stoke to go around. All right. <laughs> yeah, dude. I, you know, I want to get back into the habit of welcoming people back on, man. And, yeah. and um, I've been seeing you around at the shows. We got a lot to talk about. We got a few itemized things and a few explanations and introductions to segments here. The show, it's it's very produced. I had to I had to do everything by the book because Tom's watching me today. <laughs> but before we get too far ahead, I got a lot to talk about with my weekend. But let me not be rude, uh, Nick. Since the last time you've appeared here, what's been going on with you, man? What's new? What are you working on? What would you like to promote? Things like that. A lot of a lot of cool new projects. Um, I'm I'm doing these duos with um, Sean Walsh from Skullshitter. These guitar duos, and we're just about ready to release um, some demos from that. We've got a bunch of tunes. We got like maybe half an hour worth of material and um Sean suggested that we we don't wait till it's all ready we should we should um roll a few out and uh you know just sort of call them the demos so like in a couple of weeks we'll probably be rolling out about 10 minutes worth of uh guitar duos that sound really cool it it's just not what we expected the music to sound like when we first thought about working together um I'll leave it to you to judge when it's out there, but it's not like crazy, heavy, you know, mathy, weird stuff. It's like very clean, enigmatic, mathy, weird stuff. Nice. <laughs> really, really happy with it. And, um, and then I also got together with some old friends who I've known for decades and we've just never played together. It's just, it's just kind of crazy. Um, Mark Howell and Chris Cochran. Um, they both had their own bands in the like downtown um, sort of art, rock, music, prog scene in the in the 80s in New York City. You know, I had Dr. Nerve and, and um, Mark had a band called Timber and Better Than Death and Chris Cochran was in a million bands like No Safety. And um, we decided we should get together and, and do some recordings. So the three of us were all guitarists. We we got together and and uh, did two sessions and we were just um, super happy with how it came out. So we just um, mixed that together and um, mastered it. And I'll be releasing that shortly as well. Awesome. Excellent, man. And just for the listeners, if you want to go back, we did a whole episode with you, Nick. Nick Dikovsky. Um, perhaps our listeners might be more familiar with your work with uh, Dr. Nerve and Vomit Fist, um, which is a band that you share with your son. And you talked a lot about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. So, we, so we, people can go we back. we got a show coming up. First one in a long time. First one in a really long time. It's all going to be all new material. We're playing um, at TVI on August 31st with um, Couch Slut and Pieron. So we are, we're just like ridiculously excited about that. Just a short set all new material so we're, we're working really hard on that 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 feels super uh super satisfying 
That's that's great to hear. What was the date on that? August thirty first. I don't know when this will air, but um. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll have it we'll have it out before that um before that August thirty first. I have some great memories with the Pieron guys. Yeah. Um, we had Steve of Pieron on the on the show. Uh, a while back, and all you know by um, uh, Sean Walsh of Skullshitter, we had a whole episode with all the Skullshitter guys. Uh, a while ago. it was a great episode, a lot of crazy stories. Um, th- those guys, a lot of I, I feel like they work very hard, and we touched on this in the episode that they work so hard and are very supportive locally uh, of the scene. I think they deserve a little bit more credit. Um, yeah, it's it's great great to hear some more stuff coming out of that camp. Yeah. Yeah, um yeah. and and couch slut too. I'm I I know Theo from way back. Oh yeah, and uh, and and the 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 music scene. I guess you could say out here. Yeah, right. yeah, man. So that's cool, man. Um, wish you guys well on that. Thanks, man. Uh, and and well, one thing I your your Leo is your son, right? Yeah. Leo, uh, I spoke with him briefly at the Defeated Sanity show. Uh, Defeated Sanity and Stabbing came through St. Vitus after birth. We were fortunate enough to um. Uh, warm things up that night and open up. Yeah. Uh, and I, I spoke with Leo a little bit, and I spoke with you, Nick, and that was a little bit like the inception for trying to do this episode here. Um, so before we, like, move along, I, I, Tom, I want to touch base with you over there. The listeners want to know how you're doing, how have you been eating right, and all that sort of thing. But but before we get there, Nick, I just wanted to get your take quickly on that Defeated Sanity show because listeners who listened to the first episode with you or who are more familiar with your with your work know that you come from, uh, shall we say, the maybe the more scholarly side of music, <laughs> um, the more the more the more expansive and progressive side of music. Um, so I'm always interested to hear your takes on on brutal shows like that. Yeah, well, I mean, there nothing surpasses defeated sanity. It's just like it's 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 ridiculous, you know, for for like complexity and virtuosity and and sheer uh jaw dropping you know how do they do that ness you know like who 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 who's better than that you know it's just it's just nuts and i think the way i think um you know when when i was um really exploring extreme uh you know music early on and by extreme i, I don't necessarily mean metal it's just like really out there stuff you know um long tone drone pieces and and you know homemade electronic instrument uh explorations and tape music and all that stuff i was always really attracted to things that just um you know it just feels like i've i've never seen this before this is unbelievable look look at the work that these people are doing it's like i got to up my game you know i i i i'm i'm in the presence of imagination here that just reminds me of how much passion and imagination and creativity there is out there. And you leave a show like that with so much energy and so much like revitalized um, confidence of, of, of further exploration, you know, I mean, Mm. and it wasn't just defeat of sanity, like afterbirth and stabbing. Oh my God, stabbing, you know, like just watching the guitar parts on stabbing. It's like, this is not human. This is just like this is insane. I, you know, it, it's like at once intimidating and inspiring, and it just goes straight into your core. You know, I, and and that's that's kind of that's how I feel about music in general. You know, scholarly or not, you know, it's just like if it's it it just has to penetrate. It has to like get past whatever. Um, 
you know, veils and packaging and whatever might stand in its way. And it just has to like go directly into me. And, and a night like that fits that bill. Like it just nails it. In- inspiring, man. Yeah, I, I definitely, um, I-, I like the way you put that, man. So it's, it's definitely something to take out of a uh, band like Defeated Sanity and watching Again, not uh, you know we always do, but uh, former guest of the show Lily from um, Lily Gruber from uh, Defeated Sandy. Uh, people can go back and listen to that. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so I just wanted to get your take. That was the last time I saw you was that night, Tom, um, down there and in an undisclosed location. Um, <laughs> oh, in a, sh- in a I wish the listeners could see in a shadowy room. <laughs> it is shadowy, isn't it? I, I still have to buy lights. Um furniture we've been living without a sofa for quite some time so i haven't relaxed i've not once relaxed in a month and a half we moved down to savannah well we closed on the house in early july uh since then i've driven here three times i've been to iceland and uh yeah i've managed to put together a lot of no not a lot of furniture i've been buying a lot of furniture um, buying a house is awful. It's very nice having a house, but you will, you will be spending five, $600 a day every day for Ooh. a month. And it is, Ooh. it's a lot. Um, I'm very happy I did it, but man, any of you trying to do this right now, God bless. Cause this is rough. We're over the hump of it. <laughs> wow. Okay, man. So I'm, I'm glad I'm glad I I, I want to like send you a sofa, you know. I'm not not a new one. I'll go to like St. Vincent de Paul or something. I'll pick out something nice. Okay. Uh, That's yeah. I mean, so I'm glad you brought that up because I've been trying to convince my wife that we should be buying. I'm into like <laughs> mid-century furniture right now. Okay, so I got a eight and a half foot long Milo Bauman 1964 coffee table sitting in my living room. Um. It's a wonderful piece of wood, and I'm looking for that sofa. And you know what? I'm I gotta buy from like '66 to '61. That's how old I'm looking right now. Gab's not having it. She's not having the old sofa life. You know what? I gotta be honest. If I come to visit, I'm gonna be real, real scared to sit on that old ass sofa. <laughs> it's probably they probably weren't making them like the um the you know the the pot the the pull out. L shaped pull out sofa beds, like you know, the, of, of of my day. Yeah, I want um, that kidney bean but, looking couch, you know. Yeah, I, that's the first thing I pictured was like that that nineteen twenties like lounging like love seat thing that you lay on and smoke a cigarette out of like a one foot long cigarette holder. <laughs> yeah. yeah, bro, uh, like the flapper <laughs> thing. All right, but let, let's let's not let's not go that old school yeah. on everybody because we are gonna go old school. I got a stack of CDs here. The old listeners, the old listeners remember when I didn't even listen to CDs. I used to, sh- I used to talk shit on CDs, Tom. You remember? I do remember that, right? I still chuckle. Dude, look me, look behind me, look behind wow. me. You want to chuckle, man? It's, it's a, yeah, it's an upset look. And then, not even behind me, I can just grab a stack. Hey, we want some C- classic death metal <laughs> CDs. I gotta talk about them later, because we're tonight's all about recommending things and talking about things. Um, uh, Nick, we since we last had you on the show. You kind of sparked a um, an interest in these these uh, very specific. I I, I don't want to put them down, but I guess we could say maybe low budget or 
uh, undercredited, like like gore horror movies from yeah. the 70s and 80s and around that. I, you know, I won't box it in, but that that's fair to say, right? Yeah, you know, actually, I'm really interested in hearing how you describe it because I can't really completely wrap my head around what holds them all together. But that's that's pretty close. I think that's I, that's I, a good way to examine them through that lens. Like, how are these productions made a lot of the time? Like, yeah. many of them don't make any money. Um, but there is money. I don't know. There's money going into it, but sometimes it's not enough. And they're cast with amateurs and the crew is amateurs. And it is interesting. There's always like a weird story behind all these old horror films. Yeah. Um, so it's charming in that regard every time. Well, they're they're all also from before <clears throat> before the the glory days of like amateur filmmaking of like you know the last twenty years or so where the technology has made it like so much easier for people. Yeah. Um. So I, that's why I don't want to throw around the term low budget. Like these guys were doing what they could back in the day, but at the same time they were also from the pioneering days of gore of you know. Now you know obviously the you know the horror genre predates these movies themselves, but there this is a certain um, certain era of horror cinema where they were turning it up a little bit, man. You know what I mean? The yeah. the sixties and seventies into the eighties, the gore thing, the zombie thing. Yeah. Um. You know, it's it's a certain era. I'm sure film buffs could define it more. And I just want to say one thing before we really glide in, guys. Um. Uh. I had hesitated a little bit i thought why are we doing a horror movie episode in august it's still summer um we should wait till we should wait till halloween no but you know and then like young again we're hearkening back to a lot of we're we're mirroring a lot of like the early podcast days here i got tom with me with the guest but another thing i used to say horror movies are year round like it's i i used to think it was cheesy when a platform of any kind, not a podcast, a YouTube channel, whoever, like like all of a sudden did a horror movie marathon thing because mm-hmm. it was Halloween. I said, if we're if we're really death metal here, we gotta do horror movies year round. So I want to I want to abide that right now. So I said, fuck it, let's let's do it. We're watching because and I just did a weekend. Shout out to my man Adam Rotella. We just did a, two shows, um, one in Ithaca, New York, one in Philly with Anal Birth. Nice. And Adam is Adam is horror movies twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, wow. the, all year. Like there, yeah, like Halloween is just another day of the year for Adam. So in in honor of that, and we're gonna do more horror movie episodes with Adam as we continue our road to Halloween, not just our Halloween Halloween themed episode. Um, so I just wanted to get that get clear that right now and swipe that off the desk. And, <laughs> You know, all these, all we're we're ahead of the game for all these death metal podcasts that are going to have a, a horror movie episode. <laughs> um, so, that being said, um, I uh, now that I talked all that shit, I personally have not seen a few of these movies <laughs> because the <laughs> awesome. <laughs> really doing our research. I'm I'm such an ass, dude. I'm the worst. No, I have seen a few of them, and I am going to talk, but. Um, our job, Nick, our job is to tempt you then like yeah i well i said i'm gonna play the role of the listener in a few of these i'm gonna let tom and nick sort it out because tom has been a horror movie binger i know maybe with the house and all that stuff maybe you haven't had as much time but i know for a while you were really dedicated to the horror movies tom i was um, um i i but i'm a, i was a late bloomer to them i never got into horror movies and then all of a sudden i turned like yes. i don't know 29 20 30 ish and all of a sudden they made sense they clicked to me like i knew the classics i liked the shining who doesn't 
But getting into like the uh, the nittier, grittier, uh, just just see what seeing what's out there. There's so much, and yeah. a lot of it's bad, yeah. and that's part of the charm. Like we, you, yeah, I think you 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 get it, yeah, with that, yeah, yeah you, you like you have to celebrate these things for what they are. Um, so it was cool talking with you, Nick, when we were at St. Vitus, I guess that was an event in like March or something. Um, yeah. 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 And you, and you right. told me that you had that similar kind of like late, uh, awakening to these movies. Yeah. And, and sort of exactly. And hearkening back to something Will said a minute ago, it's like w when I was trying to broaden my horror horizons, I was sort of at the mercy of programming. It's like, okay, it's October. Like, let's see what's on. And a couple of year, you know, a couple of seasons of that, you realize it's like you're always going to, always just going to offer the same movies. Yeah. It's like how many Halloween movies, how many Hellraisers? It's like, all right, when by the time you see all of them, you know, it's like, well, what else is on in the mainstream? You have to, you have to really dig under the surface. And and I think the the connection between that and like underground metal is for me like super present in my mind i i get like really excited about discovering a movie like you know nightmare city like you know like like going to uh you know going to some special show like what we just saw you know afterbirth and stabbing and defeat of sanity and like just saying oh my god this is like this is so special i'm 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 doing something that 99.9999999% of the people out there don't even freaking know about and it's one of the most important things in my life right now and and that that sense is so palpable so like to really get into a movie like um you know I probably lead off with my favorite one of my favorites is like let's scare Jessica to death it's like this this movie like it's such a treasure to me I, I feel so at home watching that. Mm. And and I know that most people don't really like it, you know? But to me, it's like a, a really important movie. It's a very personal movie. And I feel like, um, I feel like I'm, you know, like at an underground show watching, you know, watching, a, like if, 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 a, if an underground metal band were a horror movie, you know, that would be, that would be the experience of watching, you know, City of the Living Dead or Zombie 2 or Messiah of Evil or, let's scare Jessica to death is that it's that <laughs> private precious relationship that you have with art that you kind of feel has been um brushed aside by the mainstream so I, I let me let me ask you I didn't watch this one it is on the list um I, I only got this list three days ago I squeezed in two and a half movies so I'm kind of proud <laughs> yeah. of myself um good work so Pitch, could you pitch me and Will and like everyone who's listening? Like, what is like a quick synopsis on Let's Scare Jessica to Death? What makes it like what, like two sentences, what it's kind of the vibe is, and then what makes it special for you? So, what made it special to, for me is that I grew up in Connecticut and I saw it in a movie theater growing up when it first came out, and it takes place in Connecticut. So the horrors in that movie were happening where I live. The other aspect of it is, sorry, this is going to be more in two sentences, but no, no, um, it's, it's about, <laughs> it's about a, a woman who's um, recently been institutionalized and, and released. And 
you're not sure what's real and what's supernatural. And that's always been one of my, you know, ever since then, that's always been one of my favorite things to elicit fear in me because, you know, you don't have to believe in vampires. You don't have to believe in werewolves. You can suspend your disbelief and watch a werewolf movie, but you know it's not happening. But someone that's losing their mind and sees an image of a girl in a white dress in a graveyard and then she's not there anymore, that could happen to you. You know, that could happen. It's like that could happen in my mind, you know? And that's what that's what I found so unsettling about that film. It 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 was it was horror that could be generated in my own mind in my hometown. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Uh yeah, th those kind of things um where you have a character who isn't um they're not right of mind, they're not a reliable source of narrative throughout a story. In a way, yeah. if, if, if you like if a filmmaker could pull that off and make it uh, make the through line make sense, that's a very interesting and difficult approach for storytelling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and uh, I, you know, I remember like a couple of really there's a couple of just magnificent moments in there. There's also this trope of like the menacing townies. The it's so it's two couples that move into this town in Connecticut. They move in from New York and they are not welcomed. They drive around in a hearse. So they're obviously sort of these morbid, they have these morbid fascinations. They're these sort of outsider youngsters, you know, um, and, and, and the town does not welcome them. It's, there's, there's obvious hostility, but it's not like, it's just under the surface. So there, that's like a trope where you feel like, my life here is not secure. Um, and, and then there's this moment where um, they arrive at the house and you see a, on the porch, they're not on the porch yet, but you see this flash of red hair and a rocking chair moving back and forth. And Jessica is the first person to see that and she freezes. And you know that she's freezing because she's straight up terrified at what she just saw. She's not sure if she really saw it. And she's supposed to be cured, so she doesn't want to tell her friends. Hmm. So it's this amazing paralyzed moment. And her boyfriend says, it's okay, Jess, I saw it too. And that is just such a poignant, beautiful moment in the film where she's doesn't trust herself but she trusts this man and and you see the bond between them and there's stuff like that throughout the film where it's not just about her mind and the world around her it's about their relationship and how the stress of the the curse that is kind of encroaching on their lives um you think uh is stressing their relationship so she's not only losing um she, she's not only losing what she thinks might be her sanity, uh, she's also losing her, um, the security of her relationship with her boyfriend. And so that kind of, you know, evaporation of everything that you, that's holding you together um, was really, it's really deep. It's, a, it, it can, it's really 
freaking disturbing movie <laughs> in some ways and it's zora lampert and you just you just love zora lampert she's so fragile and beautiful she's such an incredible actress i don't really know how they managed to score her for this film man because she's so incredibly good and uh so you know you just want to jump into the screen and say you poor woman like i'll protect you you know <laughs> but i can't because there's vampires uh, Zora Lampert. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> I um. I'm sorry, Tom. You got something? Oh, I was just saying. She's. Uh, I knew. I knew that name from somewhere. She's in Exorcist Three. She's George C. Scott's mm. uh, daughter in Exorcist Three, which is. Oh wow! Uh, I don't want to get into that film right now because that's. Uh, I don't a think lot. I saw it. That movie's insane. Very famous. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The the um. None So Vile starts off with a sample from that album. And when I heard it watching the movie, I was like, oh, shit, that's it. That's, what I, that's where it's coming from, dog. There's like some very interesting lore with all the Exorcist sequels and the stories behind them and stuff. And there's there's yeah. ones that people prefer over others and things. Yeah, a few. Yeah, I was I was very into this a few years ago. I'd have to go back and refresh my memory. But. Um, that's also kind of the point where, you know, I joked before, I, I did say I haven't watched a few of these. I have watched most of them, but, um, all our Halloween and horror movie episodes, it's kind of like me going off of like my favorite ones. We talk about demons. We're going to talk about demons again. My favorite movies of all time. It's my podcast. We will always talk about demons, <laughs> but there's a few more that we have in common here. And, um, Tom, you spoke, you, you spoke to like, kind of like why I wanted you and, Nick on here talking because you guys are horror movie fans, but um, maybe a little bit late blooming or maybe just lately you've just been uh, the last few years been uh, re refreshing your memory with them. One I want to talk about is City of the Living Dead. Oh, yeah. Right off the rip. Yeah, man. I don't know that we've discussed this on the podcast before, but yeah, if one of you guys wants to just take that for the listeners and take us for a ride, your, your hot take on that. I don't know when the last time either of you watched that movie. That one's I'm been a while. Head. Nick, do you want to take this one for a bit? I need to refresh uh, my memory. Hang on. I, you know what? I, I've been, I've been, I loved it, but I know I'm getting it mixed up with the beyond. Oh, okay. Yes, because this is one of those movies. There's like a flurry of movies from that era. And if you try to just look for, um, uh, I get, what is that? Either, is that Dario Argento or Lucio? That's Dario. This is a Fulci. Yeah. Yeah. Lucio Fultz. Yeah, like you it's very confusing for people who don't realize. City of the Living Dead, um Well, because it's Hang on. I'll, they they it, on. it also get, gets called uh Gates Gates to Hell, I guess. City no it's, yeah, City of the Living Dead uh is supposed to be the the sequel to the Beyond. Yeah, yeah, it's the second in the series. And that's part of the problem that it's like two or three different names for every movie. <laughs> Hang on one second. Yeah. I'll, I'll be with you in one sec. Um, yeah, yeah. It, I, I gotta, I gotta. Oh my God! This is the one with Mary, the psychic. Oh, I love it. this. Is this is incredible? This has one of the. This has one of my favorite monologues in it. So um, this also is one of my favorite scenes in it, where this woman gets she. They have a. Um, this is the one that opens with the priest hanging himself in the graveyard. I, is it I, or was that the beyond no the beyond is uh when the guy gets murdered in in the basement this is the priest hanging himself yeah, yeah. okay he okay. hangs right. himself I'm gonna, I'm gonna and somehow you're supposed to know that his suicide opens a gate of hell so as he's hanging 
and the camera pulls back. And just in, as an aside, you have no idea how he got up there. Um, that, you know, you start seeing bodies rising up out of the ground. And the psychic, Mary, uh, has these nightmares. Like, they, they, they have, have a seance and she sort of experiences the awakening of the dead during the seance. And she falls down dead supposedly dead and um she's buried but in fact she's still alive so it has that scene where she's alive and she's screaming and the sort of the detective guy is yeah. visiting the graveyard and he thinks he hears her and it's it's like this impossibly comically stretched out scene where he's walking away from the grave he hears a scream he stops he shakes his head, then continues. Then he hears the scream again. And it's obviously coming from behind him, you know, who's screaming. And he's like, nah, it can't be. Ah, he keeps on walking. Then there's another scream. It's like, stop. Hmm. I hear a scream? Nah, it can't be. Just keeps on. It's like the number of times that he's like grinding this thing into the ground. It's like, and then finally, he um he runs to the to the to the open grave which hasn't been filled in because the guys decided to quit for the day and yeah, they leave they the grave lunch, open. Yeah, they took a lunch break <laughs> yeah, or something. They take a lunch break. What a convenient so he, plot device. Yeah, and he takes a pickaxe and he starts hacking into the casket. And and then you see the casket view of the pickaxe like barely missing her face by like inches. And he's just un, undeterred. It's like, man, someone's alive in here. I got to get this <laughs> casket open. And he's like, yeah. Hacking it open with a pickaxe. It's it's so amazing. There's something so, about like Fulci films in general that he I feel like he just overlooks a lot of really basic stuff. Like, all right, we're not talking about like, oh, people don't rise from the dead. That doesn't happen. No, there's just a like, basic shit like that. Like, oh, if you're trying to get yeah. someone out, why not just wing a pickaxe where the face area would be on the <laughs> casket? I'm gonna save you. <laughs> so good and 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 i think you know a lot of it has to do with um his commitment to just portraying like a dream sequence it's it's like his scenes are not necessarily logical you know they're just they're like things that you would dream so if you're like what is you know it, you could conjure this fear like being buried alive is 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 a very very deep fear and, you know, having a pickaxe penetrate the casket within inches of your face is a very deep fear. So, like, if you want to portray that fear, just portray that fear. You know, he, yeah. he, he just he just gives himself the license to do it, you know. Yeah. And I, mean, uh, I, mean, I really admire that. There's a reason that he's got the legacy he has. Like, I mean, there is a band now that's just called Fulci. You know, it is so yeah. hand in hand with with death metal and uh, just gore anything gore adjacent is Fulci. Yeah. And um yeah. it's they're they're always a fun watch. A lot of the yeah. times you're like, what are these characters even doing? Yeah. They're running somewhere. It's just like, how did you get there? Why are you here? Yeah. But that's yeah. part of the charm. That's like yeah. it, it's like you said, like the dream sequence makes sense. If you're thinking in terms of dreams, pfft, yeah. it's great. They he nails it every time. I think that's one of the 
one of the things that holds all the all the full sheet movies together for me and it's also what makes them hard for me to like i hesitated when when we started talking about city of the living dead because there's no city in this movie you know it's just like how am i supposed <laughs> to remember this movie and, <laughs> you know it's like oh is that the one with the tarantulas you know it's like oh no that's so so every one of his films there's oh there's at least one scene where you just cannot believe you've you can't believe your eyes. You've never seen anything like it. And when it's over, you just kind of like, did I just see that? And and for me, like the quintessential scene is in Zombie 2. If we can just dive into Zombie 2 for one second. Sure. Yeah, where, um, yeah. the the um, They're on the boat and they're headed for the island. And um, the the woman who who's the the wife of the boat captain decides to go, um, she's an underwater photographer. So for absolutely no logical reason, she scuba dives topless. It's like, okay, awesome. There she goes. Now we're, we're gonna see a bunch of topless scuba diving. Wait a minute, there's a zombie under the water. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and now she's being attacked by a zombie topless under the water it's like what am i looking at it's like wait it gets better there's a freaking white shark yes <laughs> and now you've got a zombie if i could interject <laughs> yeah that sequence right there like you don't need 90 percent of zombie or shark movies after that it, it's <laughs> yeah, just right, gen right. genre defining right there. yeah exactly like who's gonna top that and then and then she gets away and that the freaking zombie and the shark are battling and the shark takes a bite out of the zombie's arm. It's like, oh my God, you know, you win. Mm. Yeah, it is. Incidentally. Extreme. And it's not deep into the movie. It's only 15, 20 minutes in. It's <laughs> yeah, like. <laughs> oh, it is such. Now that, yeah, you're talking about zombie too. Some people know that as zombie, right? Yeah. Because that, that's. I know it is zombie, but they're all these 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 movies were a lot of them were Italian. Then they go by different names in other countries. Then people re-release re them as sequels to movies. They weren't really sequels. So people can look this up. A lot of the listeners know where I'm at with this. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that original zombie. Yeah. What a movie, man. You don't. They don't make them like that anymore. Um. But one I want to talk about too, <clears throat> while we're. I mean, while we're talking about like, the, the, you just reminded me. I, I have a few in my head, but have you have you ever seen Shockwaves? Either of you guys? Yes. With the 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 not Nick Nazi no. zombies on oh island. God. Okay. No, you I got have, this. Is one I to look up because the the underwater zombie that you just brought up, um, Christopher Lee, an agent Christopher Lee in the eighties, oh, wow. um, was in this. And yeah, it, it's. Uh, I mean, I, it's been a while since I've seen it, but yeah, I gotta correct you there. Tom. It's Peter Cushing. Peter Cushing, I'm sorry, right. Peter Cushing. I'm all over. Look, man, this is a death metal and grindcore podcast. So I, <laughs> if I get the horror movie stuff wrong, it's just part of the game over here. Of course. Um, Shockwave. That's why I brought. That's, that's why I brought the list. experts in. All right. So I'm sorry. Thank you, Tom. Though that, I'm glad I got a producer along the ride. The ride for this one. Peter Cushing, an aging Peter Cushing in the '80s was in this one. Shockwaves. Um, but yeah, it is heavily. Uh, relying on these like Nazi super soldier zombies that wow. are like left over on this side. Oh man, it's it's a fun ride. It's a crazy movie, man. Um, <laughs> again, one of the first movies that and zombie and the demons movies, all movies I saw at a young impressionable age. Yeah. 
Um, that left me almost a little jaded for other horror movies, I want to say. That era in the late 70s to mid-80s was a special time for horror movies, man. The yeah. supernatural and the gore all just swirled together in ways that didn't have to make sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, which, which, by the way, Tom, you got something? Sorry. Oh, no, not that. I was, I was agreeing there is something very special about that, especially in the Italian era. They're 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 trying to tap into that I think a little bit with Stranger Things that that eighties era of fantastic but they they're never they can't you can't do that with 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 Netflix um <laughs> I, but 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 we can do it right now but Nick one of the movies I recommended to you that I always got to bring up on the podcast and of course I'm gonna get someone's take on it when I've recommended it to them Did, didn't were you unfamiliar. With the uh, Demons uh, and Demons 2 movies. I, I wasn't um, unfamiliar with I am no longer yeah. unfamiliar with them. Nice. <laughs> well, well, I loved them both. I feel, I I feel like it's a good time to bring it, because we're talking about supernatural and gore and nothing makes sense. Yeah. That first that first Demons movie is just all over the place. It's nuts. I, I Like that whole, it's so diabolical, like who... Like that half, that guy in the beginning who's handing out the free invitations to a screening at the at the Metropole. And he's got like, like half that half steel face. Who is and, he? And you don't, yeah. Who is that guy? And what the fuck? It, it, exactly. And and uh, and it's so. Um, it 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 also like it touches this um, really vulnerable. Uh, nerve of like the the the, you know the tempter you know like the the person like inviting you free like come to this free Mm. come to this free thing you know it's like it's like the like the uh drug psas that i grew up with when i was you know a kid like don't accept candy from strangers you know and so like that's the guy that he's like he's the guy you shouldn't trust and he's handing out these free invitations and people are just sort of like, oh, wow, this sounds fun. You know, you go like, no, do not go. But, but they do. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and you know, I, I, I don't even really understand, like, I don't even, I, I don't really understand, like, the, the world that, like, how does this work? You know, it's, oh, yeah. it's like this demon world that's generated in a, movie studio and then like you can sort of jump out into the screen and turn the audience into demons or whatever like (laughs) don't really understand what's going on but you know if you get pricked by a little you know piece of armor or something things are not going to go well for you yeah you're gonna you're gonna be dead soon actually now that you bring that up the fact that we know all those people got in there for free like handed out hey what are you doing tonight yeah. It makes me think, why was the pimp and his prostitutes there? Wouldn't that be prime time? It's night. <laughs> Does, it's it's night time. Shouldn't they I don't know, just the characters watching it is like, well, what do you what is a pimp doing taking out tickets to a free movie? Very odd. I don't dislike <laughs> it though. though. Great characters. Yeah. <laughs> maybe he was maybe he thought he could like get some action there at the theater. I don't know. That's never know. Um that's a good point. But uh, and, and that nothing... also had like the the sort of bad kids, right? That running from the cops and they and they run into the theater. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah to meet yeah, their demise, yeah. and 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 yeah. that that whole motorcycle scene, like this one heroic kid riding through the demons in the theater, <laughs> like killing them with a sword. I think he even had a chicken on the back of the bike, right? Didn't wasn't it like this 
almost like a Frank Frazetta fantasy of a guy on a so, motorcycle with a with a sword like killing demons on a motorcycle in a theater. Man, that kicks ass, dude. Isn't that amazing, <laughs> so, dude. So if you were like a 16 year old kid on two tabs of acid in 1985 watching that movie, your life was on a whole different level, man. It's just so 80s and over the time. What a, my favorite, my favorite unexplained part of that movie. What about when the little baby demon pops out? of the, the, the of the person like it's like and you're like you're like this oh this is this must be like the 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 prophet the prophesized king de- like this is going to be the big plot of the movie it's just some little baby demon and you don't see it again it's like what the fuck is going on like the whole my theory about de- like both really both movies is that like it has to be some sort of like like you know on the walking dead there's like infinite different takes on the lore and the timeline now yeah. like demons there would have to be like a whole and i hope this doesn't happen because it'll ruin it but there would have to be like a whole binge watchable eight season series to resolve all that crazy shit that happens yeah. in the first movie you know the second movie i this it's been a little bit longer since i saw the sequel but i'm sure there's just as much unexplainable nonsense going on in that one the second one i do feel like the second one was a little bit um uh, more more serious. I want to say maybe they resolved. I feel like they resolved some some of the silly stuff in the second one, and the second one is a little bit more linear in its darkness and horror. Whereas the first one, there was some goofy stuff like like we've been discussing. I feel like I don't know. I feel like that... part of that. I might be wrong, but I feel like some of the more serious tone comes from the better practical effects that they applied throughout the second one. There you go. So there you go. Which leads me to believe that when the first one was done, I know that that was like multiple people directing it, right? Wasn't it like Fulci and Argento and Bava? I don't know that Fulci was involved. I could be wrong. I, but yeah, uh, Umberto Lava directed it and Argento produced it. Right. Okay. So yeah. I, right. Yeah. So like I'm imagining Demons 2 is just they finish editing Demons 1. They put it in the can. They look at each other and go, that was perfect. Let's do it again. Mm-hmm. Because it is such a like, yeah, not a lot of it makes sense. We don't really know where the demons come from, but it happens and it's so concise and the characters you still sympathize with. And then yeah. they just did it again perfectly. Yeah, yeah. And and I love the uh that's the one that had the dog turning into a demon, right? Oh man. I think I, there was a yes, dog. Yeah. A, a dog. Yeah, that was... into, I the thing, you know, one of the one of the things I just made a note to myself, one of the things that was so awesome about both Demons movies is that they had such license with the makeup because, um, you know, I've been watching a bunch of zombie movies and there's just so much you can do with the human face and body to make it look rotten and decayed and scary and all that stuff. But if it's a demon, wow, you know, that's like blank slate, like go for it. And, and so I thought the imaginative transformations, you know, the, the stuff they did to people's, faces to make them look like demons the makeup was just unbelievable it was so so good yeah makeup ruled it was really amazing and like the other things that there was this that same guy uh 
showed up in the second movie, same actor who's like barking out orders. He's like the head of the gym. He's like the workout coach or something of the gym people. And he just like keeps, he's like yelling orders to everyone, like these sort of ineffectual, ridiculous orders. And mm. uh, at one point he, he like, in a rage, he throws a potted plant at the wall. And it's like, <laughs> as the demons are trying to break into, all, you know, you got all these women that are dressed in their workout outfits. And, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And they're somehow, they're stuck in a, in like a parking lot or something like that. And uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it all takes place. Um, I thought this was kind of, I don't know, but I, I liked that it kind of had a, had a semblance to um, day of the dead where they're all in a uh, mall. Right. Or was, was that dawn or was that day? Uh, no, it, it was dawn of the dead is where they're all in the shopping mall. Yeah. Day of the dead is where they're all in the military base. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, but Demons, Night of the Demons, it's actually the sequel, Night of the Demons, um, didn't necessarily have to all be in one confined um, space like that, but it is. And it reminds me in some ways of, of parts of Dawn of the Dead and Days of the Dead for that reason. Um, so I, I think that's kind of, I don't know if it was intentionally like that, but I feel like it's almost a nod to those movies. All right. Wait, we just switched to Night of the Demons now? Because that movie is awesome. Well... Demons, well, no, because Demons 2 and Night of the Demons are the same thing, are they, no, are they no. not? No, Night of the Demons is a different film. That's like the uh, the teens getting away. They sneak into, like, an old mansion, and then they get all possessed. And, oh, man, that movie rules, though. It's not, it, that one's an American okay. movie. Um, it's got okay, a, well, that that's, may, go ahead. Maybe, the, maybe it was released as that in Italy. I don't know. Yeah, I I just called it that because it was uh, that, might, that might have been a slip on my part. But oh, yeah, we're talking I about saw that one, too. Night of the Demons. Yeah, okay. I was just keeping on. You know, all these names and stuff—they're so similar, and I was just uh, yeah, I got confused for a second. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So all right. So so anyway, what I was saying, but yeah, Demons Two. Um. Like, well, that's what I was saying. You brought up the people end up in the parking garage somehow. Yeah. Yeah. And there's there's this interesting, almost like this escape room type of thing uh you know escape rooms are a big deal now but maybe that's that's almost kind of like the same type of suspense is like you the people get out but they don't really get out you know what i mean there's always the next room or the next passage or whatever and like that's that's part of the whole movie maybe i just tapped into something that's very basic for horror movie fans who understand this um but but regardless man i just one more thing before we um before we get out of demons territory uh and fulfill our un union obligation heavy whole podcast <laughs> Uh, uh, to talk about this movie. Tom, you mentioned the practical effects in the sequel, making things maybe a little bit more smooth atmospherically. I want to talk about the soundtrack like I always do. Obviously, the first one, uh, excuse me, having a hard rock and heavy metal soundtrack. The second one, The Smiths, like more new wave and kind of dark, almost goth rock type stuff. I want to say that stuff doesn't necessarily work for me driving and music I want to listen to or me chilling at home. Like, I don't listen to a lot of that stuff, but the, I may have found a use for Morrissey. Um, his atmosphere <laughs> that he creates in, the, in in these Smith songs that they use, I there's just something about this dark kind of new wave and English rock music that they use that really sets a haunting tone for this movie, and it, and it works, man. I don't. Maybe I'm not old enough, and I get too scared if I play that in my daily life. But it really works here. 
there's something inherently eerie about some of that. Um, what was that like the post post punk kind of uh, Smiths and Cure and things? I don't know. There is something eerie yeah, about like those those melodies and stuff. So it does work here. Sad '80s English guy stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's okay, no doubt. It's good. I, I just want to touch on that. Um, I feel like you guys want to talk about Night of the Demons. Oh, uh, I wanted to put a bow, wrap, put a button on this demons thing because um, we're gonna go see uh, the show. It's um, it's showing in in uh, Philly. That's right. That's in, right, man. Because this this with, is a music podcast with Goblin, Goblin oh. doing the live score to Demons. That's awesome. And there's like a whole tour of it, and um, they're it's playing on the 30th of September in Philly. It's playing October 1st in New York City. And, um, oh, it's actually playing at the Metropole, <laughs> which is the name of the movie theater in the movie. Oh, no. Beautiful. I, that's I crazy. <laughs> yeah. I just realized that. Um, Watch out. So, and that's with Goblin, like playing, playing the original score. And apparently, I think there's just one guy left from the original Goblin, but he's got these like smoke and young players. Um, and just, just like suffocation. Yeah. <laughs> it's and cri- uh, just like cryptopsy i mean come on there's yeah. a lot of parallels in death metal okay yeah 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 so um so that that's going to be amazing seeing seeing demons with a live band oh my god that is very awesome cool. man yeah i yeah. really want to make one of those i'm not sure if i am but i i'm almost thinking about driving down to the philly one well, um catch I just, a ride I with just... us man because we bought those tickets before before they announced the new york one <laughs> i yeah, could get on a yeah. subway and see the new york one but we got to drive all the way down to philly to honor our tickets <laughs> I, i'm not trying to shit on new york man i just i like philly i've had a couple of good adventures down there that's all i'm that's all i'm trying to say shout, shout out to the 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 uh the the zembo uh the Zem, zembo uh, uh skate shop down there um <laughs> All right, but but uh, yeah, so that's that that is awesome plug. We're gonna bring that up later in the show. People should look that up. Um, that's basically a whole subgenre of music. I want to say that's been because there, there's not only Goblin, there's the band Zombie. Yeah, uh, that put out several albums on Relapse. I don't know what label they work under now, but that band themselves is kind of um, they took that and did their own kind of thing with it, and they. The, it's it's now it's a, it's a subgenre basically, man. There's I mean, there's got to be other acts that I'm not familiar with out there doing this type of thing as well. So uh, that 70s zombie music sound. They uh, zo- there's something really awesome about Goblin and how they use a very technical thing. Well, to like average people, they use like changing of time signatures to like fuck with your feeling of anticipation. Like they mm, use like yeah. strange measure readings from you know they'll do a. Uh, like deep red the theme to that it gets stuck in your head but i think it's like a measure of seven and a measure of nine so it kind of throws it off a bit but it's just Mm. it's there's something about when you throw people's timing off a bit that makes makes for eeriness um especially like on a minimal like it's not loud music there's nothing really over the top about it it's like tight it's staccato-ish sounding um guitar playing it's they mastered a style with no budget and created a voice that people have been trying to emulate ever since. And I feel like a lot of people don't get the, just the basic time signature thing. Fuck with that. That's half of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a lot of it, especially, and especially in death metal too, man. Mm-hmm. 
Um, oh, God, yeah, man. Yeah. Like we were talking, she's just hearkening back to the defeated sanity conversation. Mm. Yeah, have fun counting that out. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, look, ridiculous. dude, there's a dude, devourment is awesome. All right, Discord's Cali is awesome. Uh, there's a place for everybody, but defeated sanity kind of took that style, I feel like, and did like Seduco with it or some shit. You know, they broke it. They, they, they. It's still guttural, brutal death metal, but they took it and like Rubik's cube did in a different way than than a lot of other people did. Man, they they evolved it. Amen. There's a, there's a reason why they are where they, I, I feel like them and Wormed, probably oh, at the yeah. forefront of the brutal guttural death metal thing. Brutal brutal guttural, but not ignorant. I think that's that is the the difference uh, you know and they're ignorant is you know i've used that word to describe a lot of bands i love too yeah well yeah. you know um but as we push along guys um did we talk nightmare city i'd love to just bear yeah wait in to please it. please uh nick you, you, this is the first time I heard about this was our initial talk and you told me about it. And I'm so glad that I got the text that reminded me because I actually yeah. sat down and took notes for this one. Oh, you did. I, oh, great. Yeah. I, uh, I, there was something about it. I watched the first couple minutes. I was like, I need a notepad. We're going hard. Yeah. You know what? I, I had a similar, I didn't take notes, but I had to watch it twice. It's like, what did I just see? First, first off, I got a shout out to Pat Hawkins for recommending this film. And Pat, to, former, to for, former, I'm sorry, Nick, former guest of the show, Pat Hawkins of Thetis. Yeah. Uh, Needle Push. We just had him on recently. Look back just a few weeks ago. He's got a bunch of great projects people should check out. I'm sorry, Nick. Yeah, no, I just wanted to, I wanted to, to, to send out a shout out to, he's one of my like gore horror movie mentors. And the other one, the other guy is Ted Bat from Suprogenous. Like mm. between the two mm. of those guys, they've turned me on to films that are just, you know, really, Again, opened up, really opened up my world. So, I, I, I hate it. I hate it, but I love it. I got to say former guest of the show, Ted from Saprogenous long time ago. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Right I just on, want the listeners. I knew it. Like that's I, I, that's that's why I saw Body Melt cuz I heard cuz yes, they were making yes. horror movie recommendations at the end of that episode and they they recommended I think Body Melt and uh there was some other melting movie and I forgot like a, a second third one and then uh and then then Ted posted a picture of himself with the Zombie 2 t-shirt and he mentioned how he was wearing it at the mall and this woman came up to him and said, oh, I love Rob Zombie 2. (laughs) (laughs) And so so he felt compelled to post that and then that's what broke open Fulci to me. It's like, I I messaged him, it's like, dude, what, what, what what is this? He's like, oh, okay, you know. Here we go. Lucio Fulci, Zombie, The Beyond, like City that like broke on broke open a whole thing. And that and that again is like the connection to this whole underground metal thing. Like sometimes you just need, you know, like a friend or like the older brother or the cousin of the friend, like someone who's like a little more wised up, like one step ahead of you, who like brings open some record that just feels like you've you've just never heard anything like this before you know they mm. flip it on you go like oh my god i don't i can't understand this but i know i love it and you've like entered upon like a whole world so like seeing a guy with a zombie shirt and finding out full she like boom you, you know 
they just follow follow that path you know just yeah the, the overlap to underground metal is it's just so there's so many perils i, I think just, anyway it's yanking on the thread a little bit once you start yanking you know you got to find the thread but once you get it it happens well yeah. uh so pat recommended you nightmares oh yeah right and... sorry i sort of went off of there a little bit. no that's all right man that's yeah. basically uh, i would hope that someone's gonna walk away from this episode going i'd like to see that <laughs> yeah and pull a thread yeah good good so so what did you what did you think of nightmare city um okay i have i have a lot of thoughts on this one uh-huh. because it's the the script makes a lot of sense it's the zombies that don't like there's a lot of bad <laughs> things in this film that make it so funny and charming yeah. um one of which is like you could tell there was different makeup guys on the set on different days like from scene to scene like the zombies look very different like the first ones that come out yeah. and jump out of the plane like they just yeah. look like they have baked beans on their head yeah. they just packed on baked beans and then the next scene when they're in the studio it's like they don't even look anything like that um very funny shit i got so my first note there's something about that italian carpentry in the uh control tower there the filing cabinets are fucking gorgeous um but it does a really good job of like setting up the film um not to give away too much but it's kind of the film is here's a guy working for the news and he's trying to tell the people the truth and he is at ground zero and things do not go his way and there's a lot of interference so we've kind of seen that before with a bunch of other films where the government officials are like no no we have to keep this under wraps okay We've right. seen this before, but the way they do it, um, this guy's got conviction. He's not sticking around. As soon as someone, as soon as the uh, the studio head says, "No, you can't tell the story," he's just like, "Fuck you, man! I'm yeah. out of here," and that rules. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this is, um, you know, you can learn lessons from this. You could show this to your children. You say, "Look, follow your heart." Look, look. Look what he's doing. Um, look what look what Dean Miller is doing. Something I noticed too is that this movie is in Italian, and everyone's name is an American name. So it leads me to believe that it was originally written for an American audience, and there is always problems with the Italian sound. Um, I heard I watched uh, I was watching an episode of Joe Bob, and he had um, Eli Roth on who apparently knows his horror very well. And he said that Italians never have a sound guy on set. Mussolini had come into power and made it illegal to have a sound guy on set because he wanted to be able to control anything that was filmed. He wanted everything done in ADR, which is the after recording. Wow. Uh, So he could hear everything that was being put on film and it could be put in a report. So a lot of these directors kind of grew up with that in the production phase. Mm. So you have this like weird history of like, they don't know if they're going to shoot a movie in Italian or shoot it for English. Like a lot of the Fulci movies, they're in English, but the actors don't speak English. They're just kind of mouthing and it looks very strange and off-putting. And that's another part of the creepy factor. But like, if you know that it kind of like allows us tolerance and the suspension of disbelief. Yeah. Anyway, this movie brings it to the next level. 
most of these actors are Spanish. I looked them all up on IMDb. So there's they they're speaking Spanish with some Italian actors. They're all <laughs> named Americans. Uh, it's great. Dean Miller, General Warren. These are not Italian names, it's, but it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot of moments in this movie where you kind of like you're going. All right, had the zombie get in there. There's a sheer volume of zombie here, which is um, to applaud. Because while I mentioned the discrepancy in who was doing makeup on day to day, they got mm -hmm. some great people doing zombie shit. Like they went hard. There's a lot of movement in this. There's some great stunts in this movie too. And towards yeah. the end, you get some gnarly kills, like amazing shit, uh, yeah. heads blowing up and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so I do recommend it. And I don't know, Nick, did you have anything else to add to this one? Yeah. You know, uh, so, so much in what you just said that resonated with me, like that, that's an amazing analysis, man. I had no idea about the Mussolini thing. And that explains so much. Like I, I, I heard that, um, on an Italian film set, like they know it's all going to be replaced later. So just put the actors in their comfort zone and there'll actually be different languages being spoken on the same set. So some, someone's some English speaking actor is going to be delivering their lines in English and an Italian actor is going to be delivering their lines in Italian sort of at all at the same time. And then it, then, you know, then there's going to be the Spanish version, then there's the Italian version, then there's the English version, the German version. And, uh, and it also reminds me of some really great moments. I'll get back to this in one second, but the Blind Dead movies are notorious for being super sloppy with that. And you'll hear like the beginning of this guy's monologue is in dubbed English, but then there'll be like three seconds of leftover German at the end of it. Oh man! <laughs> and then there's some scenes in Night of Seagulls where you keep hearing this machine sound, like it's some scenes worse than others. And you realize, like, oh man, they've got an open mic. They've they're just like doing the voice replacement in the same room as a projector. Yeah. So you're just hearing like in the back wall the guys. So anyway, and and I absolutely love the ace. So getting back to something you said, I really, really love the asynchronicity between the voice and the sound because it really makes it otherworldly and dreamy. And that's just kind of baked in. I used to find it funny, like in Godzilla movies, mm -hmm. but in these movies, I don't find it funny. I, I welcome it. It's just like such a cool effect that, you know, it's not intentional. It's sort of how I, I receive it just that it's so surreal and weird um but the, the like my main takeaways from nightmare city was uh how cool it is that the zombies were smart they yeah. they can they can plan there's like this this is not a spoiler but there's these zombies they actually drive up they drive up and they get out of the car and these two people think it's their friends and you know it it is their friends, but they're zombies. <laughs> and yeah. they attack them. It's like, geez, you guys can drive? It's like, it, it, the logic of it is so suspended. It's like, what? Is, like, are these, do they have, is it a disease? 
or are they dying and coming back to life? Like how much of their memory is left? How functional from how functioning? How high functioning are they? Yeah, from what I read, that, that's an interesting thing because like they they never really tell you what the zombies are actually after outside of they need like sustenance. So they need to eat. They know they're going yeah. after blood, but we don't actually know where the zombies are coming from. We don't know if their victims are just dead on the ground after or if it is a virus. And it's kind of left open, um, which plays well into the fact that their brains are somewhat intact and they're able to, like, shoot a gun. Yeah, yeah. Well, and they, from and they what have, I read... Uh, and they're sadistic. Like, there's, there's, yeah. there's a few kills at the end. It's, like, so unnecessary, man. Come on, you're, you're a zombie... <laughs> All well, you want to do from, is is drink blood. Uh, Why are you slowly driving that stake into her eyeball? It's like, come on, man, just like get your blood. But <laughs> no, no, here, no. Here's you the know, thing, though. From from what I read, they're not zombies. They're they're from what I read, they're supposed to be citizens that are victims of nuclear poisoning. Yeah, right. But so if you technically, die, you be you wake up again. Yeah. So I so. I don't know, but I think that's like the rationale, maybe, for why they can do all this not like like beyond zombie like shit. I don't know. That's yeah. true. I mean, I mean, we're also arguing the logic of the of nightmare <laughs> yeah. nightmare city. No, but there, yeah, there's like a split. Like there's two like there's two subclasses of zombies. There's the live people that were infected, right? So oh, okay, but okay, then okay. I think the people they kill die and come back to life. That's kind of like a different thing isn't it yeah fair it, enough all right all right, it, all right it's a great movie either way you you gotta watch it and yeah you can, we're not a gonna, lot to this we're not gonna figure this out yeah a lot well, to thank this. You i gotta watch us. this another time i know i gotta watch this one more time i'm sorry i this i thought i had it i thought i was i thought i had like the gotcha moment for you guys but i gotta study this movie this, you know, mo this, this yeah. movie bends logic in different ways it's so good it's okay. so good all right um, I'm just looking at our list here. Um, how about we do one more? I'm looking at time. Um, uh, uh, let's see. What do we got? Did we talk about Messiah of Evil? Oh, no, we didn't. Not yet. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, both both you guys have, have a little something to give on that, right? I love that movie. Fair enough. Uh, well, I, I, I don't know it, so I want you to pitch me on it. Well, it... it I, I read it as, I saw it as kind of like a, almost like an Italian homage. Like there's blood tears, like Fulci, you know, like mm. the, the blood, the blood tears. Mm. Um, it's, it's, you know what, this is a nice, this is a good connection to um, Jessica because it's the creepy townies trope. It's, it's like your neighbors, like the people, the boring elderly man the boring elderly woman in the theater sitting next to you turn to you and you see a bloody tear and you realize this is a menacing flesh eater you know and just that that notion of of like you know the creepy townie i just love that i love that aspect of just the innocent ordinary person around you uh turning into you know, a, a menacing horde. And, uh, is that why we can't get you out to shows on Long Island? <laughs> <laughs> you city guys, you're scared of the townies out here, man. I, I get it. As a, 
Dude, as a Long Island guy, I get it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to come out here. <laughs> Go to Ram. Guys are used to fucking New York City. You come out to Rams and Shakers. Oh, <laughs> That's a, it's a like culture gr- shock. I grew I get up in it. a small town in Connecticut. So I'm, I, I'm just I'm I'm breaking balls, man. I know I know a little something about townies. Yeah, well that's what I'm saying. Maybe you're maybe you're done with it, bro. Maybe you're over it. I I understand. Trust me, I'm still around them, man. Yeah. I've had some good townies. I had a really good Long Island townies moment, man. There was a, many years ago. Quickly, there was a house show all the way out in Patchogue, and I parked with Adam and Sal in the car. And I parked on the street in the suburbs, not blocking any driveways, like like in front of some guy's front lawn. And like you're allowed to do that out here, unless like it's specifically like it's some like you know very wealthy protected village. Like you can just park on the side of the street as long as you're not block- blocking anyone's driveway. The guy comes out as soon as we get out of the car. He goes, "Your car break down or something?" <laughs> oh, we were like, uh, "No, man, I'm going to my friend's house over here." So you got to park in front of my house. Wow. Dude, it was like it was it was like out of a TV. It was for real. Like I I I get it, man. Long Island has a special breed out here, man. Some <laughs> some people, if you don't get out of the Long Island and you just drink the Long Island water your whole life, man, um, that's what happens. I'm sorry, but um, wait, uh, how's go, that? Were, how'd that story end up? You're not gonna leave us hanging here, did you? Move we I moved the car. I'm not gonna <laughs> go to a house. <laughs> I'm not. I, I I said all right, man. You no, know, no problem. And I and we just I just we just got back in the car. And he was like, yeah, yeah, no, no. It, like he did the thing. He's like, no, it's no problem. It's all good. You know, yeah. yeah, no problem. Like with the fucking dick face. But because we were like, I'm not gonna go to a house show for three hours and be worried about my car. You know, yeah. come back. I dude, I, I'm from Long Island. I know how this works. You, you come back, you got a flat tire or a broken window, and the lights are off at the house, and nobody's answering the door. It like I it's. I, I I I'm from Long Island, man. Um, but I, I didn't want to cut you off, Nick. Yeah, I moved the car and we went to the house show and we and I I took my car home that night without incident, man. It was worth it, man. No no to no to all the hotheads out there, man. All right, it's not worth it sometimes. That's awesome. Um, all right. So that was my Long Island moment. Yeah, the townies, bro. I'm yeah. sorry. Fin- finish up about the townies. Well, that's just it. I mean, I I I don't remember the movie that well. I need to rewatch it. I just remember this amazing scene in a movie theater where um you know what else reminds me of it reminds me a little of like Hitchcock's The Birds because the 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 woman in the scene, the the victim who the to be victim is um just innocently, you know how in The Birds someone just sits down in the park and then you see a bird land nearby and then you see a couple more land and she's not paying attention, then suddenly she's like, oh my God, there's a lot of freaking birds here. And then it's like, Jesus, there's a lot of, you know. And that's how it was, that's that's kind of like the theater scene in uh, Messiah of Evil, where she's she's just sitting, she just wants to take in this movie, and it just starts filling up with these eerie people. Mm. And when they turn to her and they have these blood tears, um, you just know it's not gonna go well. That scene, and then also the scene in the supermarket, I found like they did they did a really, whoever made that film, I have to rewatch it. I watched it twice, but I drink too much, so I'm <laughs> a little, I never remember the damn end of the movie, but anyway. Um, oh yeah, me neither. <laughs> the, the, scene, the scene in the supermarket where they pull the same kind of thing, where it's like, 
um, the two B victims that you're talking about and I'm talking about, they're they're like traveling with this guy and he's got a bit of a cult thing going on himself, but he wanders into a cult town. So it's kind of like these culty on culty kind of uh, strange behaviors we're observing. And the mm. two girls split off and one goes to the movie theater, the other goes down to the the grocery store. And the grocery store, they pull off the same thing, but it's like there's something eerie about a grocery store because just walking past and seeing someone like staring you down and like you think you can escape them and they kind of know where you are. It's like yeah. it's the moving version of it. And I think that's it played into the it was a great compliment within the same movie. Of like, yeah. here's like, we're coming to get you. We're in this yeah. town. You came to our town. We're going to fuck you up now. They yeah. did that awesome in two scenes, kind of back to back in like these very normal establishments. Oops. I'm, okay. I'm sold. I definitely want to check this out, man. And I hope our listeners want to check out all or some of the movies, at least that we talked about just now, man. Um, uh, and guys, as I'm looking at the clock, I have a few other things I want to get in here. So um, I don't want to cut you off. Any final thoughts? Uh, I'll give you guys each, each a shot on, on the horror movie genre and what we were just discussing um, in general here. Um, maybe I could just, I, I want to plug one more movie super quick, Bloody Moon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Bloody Moon, and there's a scene that, that should be a poster, and I don't understand uh. why it's not. It's... Um, Olivia Pascal sitting on the floor with a knife in front of her to protect herself. And it is just amazing. It's, it's so iconic. Watch the movie and just freeze frame on that. You'll know exactly what I mean. Uh, but like it, in general, you know, I want to say like in general, what I really love about Fulci's films and, and like the, um, the uh, blind dead movies is that, they really break my expectations and it's so refreshing coming from a lifetime of seeing American horror. Um, like this is not a spoiler, but in, in one of the, in one of the um, blind dead movies, here's like a typical setup. You've, you've got a victim trying to, trying to get into the house, trying to get through a door that's locked, right? To get away from the approaching menace. And then the camera cuts to the approaching menace, these slow, you know, Templars, uh, these zombie undead Templars. And then you, they're getting closer and then you cut back to the guy like rattling on the door and then you get another shot of the tempers are getting closer and they're getting closer and the guy's getting more desperate and he's, people are coming to the door to help him get in. And then the guys are getting closer. And he's gonna, in every, like every American movie I've ever seen, what's gonna happen? The door's going to open in the very last second he's going to get in the door, right? Right. Not in this. They catch up with him. It's they a tear full his arm off. off. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, there goes his arm. Shit. I'm glad I, glad I didn't, I didn't, glad I didn't expect this guy to live. You know, he, this incredibly main character that I've known for like the last 65 minutes and there's another half hour to go and he's dead. It's like, all right, like who, who am I, who else am I not going to get attached to? And what other like obvious tropes am I going to get thrown by? And that's what I really love about those films. You, you just, you, you, you don't know what the rules are, even like cinematic rules. Like we, right. don't, we don't know what the rules are of the demons, you know, the supernatural rules, but just like the cinematic rules, what, what, you know, there's no last girl, 
thing going on. You know, I, I, I haven't seen that yet. Like in, uh, in Demons, right? She turns into a demon at the end. Mm, yeah, a lot of yeah. we're gonna have to put a lot of spoiler oh, alerts. Oh, that was a spoiler. Sorry, man. <laughs> no, we that, we've been. That, that, I mean, no, that these... was like the, that was <laughs> the hundredth spoiler of this episode. We're gonna okay. put a big spoiler. But you know big, what? Yeah, you've seen that movie more than once. I'm gonna oh, watch yeah. it more than once. So there sort of is no, you know, if, if these were spoilers, we wouldn't watch them twice. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. that's how you know, just yeah for the listeners. I'm joking, man. I know. Um, I know. and uh, and Tom, anything else you wanted to add? No, I just, uh, you know, we have a bigger list. Uh, we have a list. It's sent to me. I'd like to do this in a month or two two months from now or something and get back on the rest of the list here. Kind of hash these out. I don't know. Maybe if a listener has a movie we have to watch, let us know. Uh, but I could, you know, I've been watching a lot of movies. I like being tasked with watching films. Um Sometimes, Will, I know you feel the same when someone tells you to listen to something, you're a little more on the fence about it. You go, eh, I'd like to find my own shit. But with movies, it's a little more, all right, I'll give it a shot. Let's make it happen. Um, so I fair, like this Fair format. enough, fair so enough. Thanks, Nick, for coming by. Oh, man, thank you. I, I got a couple on my list here, you know, shockwaves. Thanks. Hell yeah, we're behind the scenes, we'll reconvene. That's going to be my suggestion uh, and maybe we'll do this like 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 Tom said. We'll do this again in a month. Uh, the road to Halloween, just like the road to SummerSlam. Let's do it. Um, but guys, if you'll indulge me now, in the spirit of this episode where uh, we were trying to just uh, talk to the listeners and talk to each other about movies and sell them, I want to try to sell you guys on two albums I've been listening to. Maybe you've heard them, maybe you haven't. Um, but just quickly, I you know I have discussed these on the podcast. Um, one of them is an internal bleeding album. We did a whole Patreon episode about like the history of internal bleeding, the different lineups, the different albums, the whole thing. I broke it all down for you. I had a whole like notes and everything, but, uh, quickly I just, you know, I was, I just picked these out of my own, um, CD player. I have a shout out to Rick Habib of uh, reeking aura and Grace guys Fallen. We, we, um, he had a, got a good deal from a guy on CD changers and I got one. Um, Imperium by Internal Bleeding on Unique Leader Records. Um, this was the last album with, uh, uh, Brian Hobby, original bass player. I believe he played guitar on this album. Bill Tolley was on there on drums, rest in peace. Jay Liff on bass. And, um, uh, Keith DeVito, I'm sorry. sorry. Sorry, Keith. Keith DeVito on vocals. Um, of course, Chris Prevelis on guitar. But um, what what stands out about this album is that it is a nice mix. It is, in my opinion, maybe the last album of a certain era of Internal Bleeding. Um, there's a lot of nods to the classic writing style of Internal Bleeding in the 90s with this album. But also, it it when you use that progressive word... Uh, I don't want people thinking the wrong thing. It's not like a decrepit birth album or, or a cynic album or something, but what it does with this album is if you're a fan of Internal Bleeding and you know their stuff, I've been revisiting this lately. With, now, first of all, with Keith DeVito's vocals, it's a very Long Island thing because if you know Keith DeVito, you know Pyrexia, 
uh, in his era of pyrexia, you know, that he filled in for suffocation at one point live. So to have Keith DeVito on an internal bleeding album is kind of like this Long Island constellation aligning thing. Um, Brian Hobby and Chris Prevelis on guitar. The writing is very traditional IB, which means it can be very catchy and simple at times. But when I use that, I, I guess for internal bleeding, there are some progressive moments. They they write... Um, uh, there's there's an acoustic passage here and in, in there. There's there's a lot of different stuff going on, man. So I just want to say that Imperium by Internal Bleeding may be an undercredited, um, groove-oriented New York death metal album that people should go back and check out. Keith DeVito himself being an underrated vocal, completely underrated vocalist. Um, breath control, delivery, all there, man. He did. He 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 was never a guttural vocalist per se. A little bit more old school in terms of tone but really an underrated vocalist in terms of technique. Guys, I don't know. I didn't prepare you guys on this. This was a little off the cuff. Are, you, are either of you familiar with this album? I am not, but I just made a note of that too. Yeah, I, I'm actually, I'm a little ignorant on some internal bleeding albums. This one I have not gotten around to. You're supposed to be ignorant on, on even on the internal bleeding albums you know. It's all about ignorance, but that's the thing. myself. <laughs> This album in particular, there's like three songs that are part of kind of a trilogy. Um, like I said, there's there's always a lot to think about with the lyrics, but on this album, it's, it's no, um, no slouch. This is just as internal bleeding goes, and as they are known nowadays for being the the uh, the the progenitors of slam, um, however you feel about that, and and all that sort of thing. Um, this is a little bit of an overlooked album from a different era, so I just want to leave it there for the listeners. Tom, I'll give him a hand clap for Internal Bleeding's uh, Imperium. Listening to Demigod, The Slumber of Sullen Eyes, the first Demigod album. Um, obviously, we did uh, interview uh, uh, Seppo Tatilla um, of uh, uh, Demigod and Adromalik a long time ago now. Uh, maybe it's time to reach out to some other guys from that band. But The Slumber of Sullen Eyes is just one of those classic Finnish death metal albums. A lot has been written about it. A lot has been made of it. Um, it's been reissued. It's just it's it's a classic album for a lot. I just wanted to bring this up. I have brought it up on the podcast before, but we get new listeners from time to time. And I feel like there's this resurgence of of people love bolt thrower. People love obituary. People love the chunky, brutal, uh, kind of dark-sounding death metal from back in the day, no-frills death metal. A lot of the people in their teens and 20s who might be new to this podcast, I just want to spread love for Demigods, The Slumber of Sullen Eyes. Um, in terms of the Finnish albums, it's not it's not Demolich. Um, it's not necessarily a drama lick. It's not, it's not as mysterious sounding as mm -hmm. it is evil and dark sounding. Mm. Uh, and for fans of Bolt Thrower and early Carcass, I think you could hear some of the brutality in there. It's, 
The thing about it is it's, I don't know if you'd use the word ignorant. It is pr primitive and caveman-like, but there is a precision and there is a finesse to it as well within that realm. I'm going to leave it there and just ask quickly again. I didn't prepare you guys. This is in the spirit of trying to sell each other on things this episode, like with the movies. Anyone have uh, anything to add on that? I'm, I'm uh... buying that Demigod record right now. On Bandcamp, <laughs> <laughs> Band it's downloading. Highly I... recommended. Highly recommended, dude. I I uh, I'm just I just got uh, the um, radiation black body uh, dead seed planted on dead earth record and it sounds insane. The, yes, the, the, radiation the... black body. Uh, Joel and Josh. Yeah, right. Still a two man band. Yeah, I brought them out. God, speaking of townies. Speaking of the New York City guys coming out to Long Island, oh my God, I brought Radiation Black, but I brought Joel and Josh out to Comiskey Park Bar in, in St. <laughs> James, Long Island by the train station How'd one night. <laughs> I I don't know that, that the show was as well attended as they would have liked. I do know the crowd enjoyed them. Um, they, you know, we, we, we had shows at dive bars out there. I, you know, I offered them some gas money to come out and play. Yeah. Um, looking back now, maybe I, I could have rolled out the red carpet a little bit more. Love that band. Yeah. And I'm still proud that I was able to get them to come out and play with Buckshot Facelift one time. Oh my God. Um, that must've been great. It in my eyes, it was great, man. I just hope that they had a good experience out here. Long Island shows aren't always as accommodating as the city can be, but um, I do remember a lot of the local friends of mine enjoying their set, man, and people getting into it. So I'm sorry though. Don't let me stop you though. Um, tell me more about the, this. The, hold on a sec. Let's do this properly for Tom. Tom, mm -hmm. let's get into a little bit of Demigod's Slumber of Sullen Eyes real quick, uh, and then Nick's got something for. Him. So this is production magic now, Nick. So now that okay. you heard that demigod, let me know a little bit about this radiation black body. I'm, I'm glad those guys are still around. Yeah. Well, the the um, first time I saw them was at uh, one of the heart one of the um, matinees at ABC No Rio. Mm. Mm. And um, I was just blown away. I I just love how, and I've seen them a bunch of times since then. Vomit Fist did a show with them at uh, the Acheron at at one point, Rest and. In peace. Um, you know miss that place and uh yeah and what just struck me about them is just how how ruthlessly tight they are how like telepathically tight they are and how it doesn't sound i mean it just grooves so hard and and the time's always changing up but they're always together and you you know it's mathy but it never feels mathy mm. And it's just, it's just relentlessly brutal. I, I just, I, I, I'm just in awe of those guys. I, I don't know, you know, I don't know what their writing process is, but um, it's, uh, it's just some of my favorite music. 
and it it and it's you know instrumental music so that that's like a, a major divide in, in in all kind of music listening it's like there's music with vocals and then there's music without vocals like <laughs> that that is sort of the biggest you know the biggest divider and and it's a very different experience to listen to instrumental music than it is to listen to you know music with with the human voice in it and so with radiation black body i i have a lot of freedom to just sort of my mind just goes to a different place you know i'm 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 feeling it in my gut my mind is trying to like work on what the patterns are you know sort of like floor to ceiling you know i'm engaged sort of on every level it's kind of a funny I had a funny experience with them. I bought, I bought their vinyl a little while ago. I forgot which, which one, but um, I flipped it on and um, I was kind of congratulating myself. It's like, wow, I can actually follow this a lot better than, you know, the tunes that I that I remember them. And then I realized that I was playing it at thirty three and it was meant to be played at forty five. So the whole thing was slowed down. I was like congratulating myself. I was like, ah, hey, man, you're getting smarter. You can follow radiation black body. Like if you slow it down, yeah. But uh anyway. I, I, I gotta just hear so this, heavy. man. I'm yeah. uh, the, quite a sell on this. Oh, also, I love it. Yeah, I'm pretty I love partial to I, I like I don't know. I something about like death metal in general. Like I don't think of death metal as not instrumental, if that makes sense. Because like yeah, will right. like like the the style of vocal is so beyond like what it is to have. like. It's not. Yeah. It, it's not Celine Dion. It's the furthest thing from these words are going to touch me a certain way. It's like this. <laughs> whole body performance that goes into it. So I've always heard like death metal and uh, like to further like illustrate my point, I have listened to a lot more like music that isn't in English than I have in English music because mm -hmm. I don't necessarily dig words that much. I want to hear yeah. like a performance and sometimes you hear the words and you get kind of taken out of it. If I want words, I listen to like hip hop. Yeah, That's just kind of where I am. Uh, personally with that so i do like a good instrumental like if you're talking about this as being that engaging i'm very excited to check out radiation oh, i'm Black so Body. happy to hear it what can i just make two comments sure. about what what you just said one was that um have you ever been disappointed after you read the lyrics like followed along with the lyrics I, i've had this experience where i listen to this music and the, i can't decipher the vocals and i just love them mm -hmm. and then i like follow the lyrics and I go like, oh, I think I'm going to not read these <laughs> because yeah. it's more mysterious. Like I realize I'm, I'm really kind of in if I catch like a little of it, but I don't really follow it. I'm somehow it feels more mysterious or something. As as a guy yeah. who writes lyrics for my death metal bands where I do vocals. Yeah, it's a complex, weird thing because I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And I don't necessarily read the lyrics for every band that I own the merch. Like I don't like I'm looking at like this CD collection, but I don't know the lyrics to all these CDs. Yeah. But it's but in my band I take the time to write the lyrics and all that stuff. So it's it's a weird catch twenty two. It's like it depends sometimes how close it is to you, I guess. And I also think with age, I've started to be a little more specific about it. Like, um, 
when I was younger, I would try to read all the lyrics of, of, of stuff, but now it's also to a point where certain, certain bands, I just don't care. Like, I'm not going to sit there and read, like, all of your pathological gore lyrics, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And, and yeah, I, like, yeah. there's, I don't know. Yeah, um, I, I really like something a long time ago. I'll always remember this. It was one of the first episodes we did, talking to Danny from Malignancy, and um, he emphasized the point of writing lyrics. Uh, he's like, yeah, a lot of a lot of dudes go into a studio and just kind of growl over their shit. And it's like, write the lyrics. It's not yeah. for anyone else. It's so you can make a pattern that makes sense and like perform yeah. something. You you can yeah. have like something you can sink your teeth into and perform it. So yeah. I, and since then, I always thought it was like lyrics. This is more for the vocalist. But the same way, like notation on a piece of paper. If you go that far as a guitar player, is yeah. for the guitar player. Yeah. It's not like, like people aren't sitting there reading your sheet music. It's, it is very visceral in the way it's presented. Yeah, that's so good, man, because I didn't want to come across as not caring about lyrics. I care a lot about lyrics. And, 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 and hearing it the way you're describing it as like the motivation to actually make that sound with your voice, that makes a lot of sense. I, I also remember that, inter- that heavy hole with Matty Way. Oh, yeah. Where he says, where like when he's the way he approaches vocals, he wants to he wants people to be moving. He's like competing with the guitar, you know. He wants to put out a he wants to do with his voice. He wants to compete. He wants to see people moving with the vocals just as much as they're moving with a riff, you know, mm. with the guitar riff. And and I just really respect that. It's just using your voice as an instrument and to motivate what you're doing by the words that you're the lyrics that you're saying that makes that makes total sense to me yeah it's i i I don't know it's it's um it's a multi-dimensional kind of operator to kind of assume that your lyrics should be for everyone to read when they sit down to hear like you know like will you have some of the least distinguishable death metal vocals like ever but i've like when I've read some of your lyrics, like they're cool and they're they're, there. And what's most important is that they're cool to you. Like that. You want to sing those lyrics. Am I right or wrong? I mean, that's how I feel. Yes. It's like, it doesn't matter. You're, you're, you're right. That my lyrics are cool. Yes. You're right. about that. No, no, thank you for the compliment. I mean, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that's the, you know, they're they're It's there. And I, you know, I said this once to someone, uh, many years ago, it's like I might not understand exactly what's going on in a technical death metal band. I don't understand everything, and like I couldn't put "None So Vile" onto sheet music or "Decrepit Birth" onto sheet music. But I can sit there and listen to a technical song and a progressive song and appreciate it for the music it is. I'm not a guitarist or a keyboardist or anything like that, but I can listen to Rush or Between the Buried and Me and be like, "Wow, I know there's some really complicated, well rehearsed." Uh, craftsmanship going on here by like you know talented people. So it's like, yeah, you you know I I don't just because someone doesn't take the time and read my lyrics, I don't take that as like an offense or a slight or something. That's just part of the game in death metal. Um, yeah. But yeah, interesting interesting conversation. I didn't I never looked at it, Tom, the way you put it with like it's kind of like the like the sheet music almost. You know, it's like you don't know that, but you 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 hear it. You know. Yeah, it's the performance. Fair enough, man. So, 
With that being said, we kind of got on a little uh, tandem, a cool tandem. I like that discussion. But what was the name of the Radiation Blackbody album? It was um, Dead Seed Planted in Dead Seed. So, uh, Tom, in all fairness now, do you have anything uh, you want to recommend? Anything you've been listening to lately? Um, uh, I just want to shout out to uh, Rick Khabib for recommending, I don't know, maybe a month and a half ago, he recommended Majesty's Vast Reaches Unclaimed. Okay. Uh, a, a somewhat melodic death metal album that I think is very, very yeah. sick. So, shout out to him and shout out to Majesty's. And it was already played on the show. We don't have to do a bit. But uh, if you missed it, check it out. And you know what? I've been listening to a lot of things I probably have recommended already. And uh, a lot of Brazilian music. And uh, oh, like Lymphatic Phlegm. Lymphatic Phlegm. Flesh. Yeah. Sarcophago. Sarcophago. No doubt. A lot of sick Brazilian music. Exactly. So, uh, no... Uh, just it's good to be back here on the field and uh yeah i'm glad we're talking horror touch of music i enjoyed having you back out here on the field um nick we enjoyed having you back out here uh in the game appreciate it man um this horror movie discussion was was deep we just touched the surface we yeah. got to do it again on the road to halloween yeah um, sounds good <laughs> defending the title on halloween uh, so Nick, I'm sorry, any last shout outs, promotions or plugs, uh, for your music or anything else you're involved in? Uh, I just want to say like, just speaking of radiation, black body, Josh and I have been doing some jamming together, so oh, we don't know sure. what's going to come out of that, but, um, we're pretty stoked about it. So, uh, this is the, the very beginning of that project. We'll, I, I can't make any predictions, but I just. Super honored to be playing with him and, and wanted to drop that in here. Looking forward to that, man. I, I like when people I know will get together behind the scenes, man. Um, And Tom, uh, and any, it was nice to have you aboard today. Anything, are you plugging or promoting anything at the moment, sir? Uh, No, we're actually ending Roast Mortem, though, at episode 300, and we'll be relaunching it as a different show. Mm. Uh, so, Will, I can't wait until I ask you to come on and then you think about it and never get back to me. <laughs> I, I, I was on roast mortem. I know. I, know. I, I know. We it. had, we had a good time, but now it's yeah, going to be a different animal. Oh boy. I'm all right. I'm waiting to see what this is all about behind the scenes. Okay. So, um, stay tuned. Shout out to the roast mortem guys. I'm a little sad, a little wistful for that, but I'm wishing you guys the best of luck with this New venture, unless I ethically and morally don't agree with it. I don't know what what you guys are gonna do over there. But we'll see. We'll um, see where we'll see where the final plan lands us. 
Yeah, speaking of moral and ethical quandaries, you can listen to Heavy Hole Podcast on Spotify <laughs> and wherever else. Uh, we, but we got the Patreon behind the scenes, man. Check us out on Patreon. We got bonus episodes. We got joke episodes, episodes where we read news stories, episode where it's just me alone in my room drinking coffee at 4 a.m. recommending you death metal albums. Um, which is, it's kind of the same vibe as like a date with me. I'm just talking about death metal albums. <laughs> Ch- chugging coffee, chugging cup after cup of coffee, talking about death metal to my Tinder date. Um, that's the experience you can get on Patreon. Heavyholepodcast at gmail.com or the voicemail number should be in the description where you're listening to this. Drop us a line. Let us know you what's your favorite scary movie. I think I used that dad joke in like every horror movie episode we ever did. So I had to do it again. Um, or, or talk music or whatever you want to do, man. Come on. Heavy Hole Podcast. Anybody who I talk to in person this summer around the United States of America or right here in New York um, about coming on the show, drop me a line. Keep it fresh because I talk to a whole lot of people and I don't have... I talk to more people about coming on the show than I have brain cells. So uh, keep fresh in my memory. Bug me a little bit. Heavyholdpodcast at gmail.com. I love all you guys. Um, and I love you, too, for coming on the show. This was fun today, guys. Uh, so, Tom and Nick, I'm going to let you guys have the last word this evening, man. Heavy whole podcast. Uh, Tom and, and Nick, what do you got to say for yourselves? Oh, I feel like I'm being punished. <laughs> being punished. You could you could just say goodbye to the people. Yeah, yeah, thanks thanks for having me on, man. This has just been an honor. Learned a lot, you know. Keep it keep it gory, keep it bloody. All right, well, stay on after we hang up the uh, the listeners stream because we have another one to plan. All right, just one. Oh, okay. Oh. Wow. Wow.